Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Welcome to Global, everybody. And uh, we're doing some teaching on signs of a healthy church. And last week I looked at 10 signs of a healthy church. But I think I assumed uh, some things. And so I've got another four little things for us <laughs> this week. But you know, last week I was looking at laughter being a sign of an healthy church. Laughter is great. You know, laughter shakes off legalism. It does. And we've got to learn to laugh. Some of us used to paint the town red and now we only paint it beige. Sometimes, some of us used to have a real belly laugh at things. Now we've gone uber serious because of becoming a Christian and, 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 and you know, there's one thing to respect God and respect his word. It's another thing to, to go uber serious on everything and lose what God's given to you, the character and personality that's meant to shine. And uh, some people, like the, they are like they've had a frontal lobotomy when they, became, when they become a Christian. And it's like before life was really exciting and now it's really like uber serious. And, you know, we've just got to lighten up a little bit. Laughter does that. It's beautiful. You know, in a healthy church, they'll have liberal giving. People worry about tithing. And then they worry about, is it gross or is it net? I never understood the difference. And uh, when you have a liberal heart, it doesn't matter because you think everything's God's anyway. And there's lots, lots of things. But, you know, I also train our guys and I've had to train myself this too. It's like when you go into a bar, you know, with, you, with, with your friends, be the first to get the drinks in. Come on, you know, you say, well, we're telling them about Jesus. No, often we're boring them about Jesus and then we miss the, the absolute obvious and that is get the drinks in. Be good news. <laughs> so anyway, we might even touch on that later on as we go. But last week we looked at camaraderie, like working together, mates, friends rather than colleagues. I've never had a colleague. I've never worked with a colleague. I don't do that. I have friends. And uh, another one is, is initiative taking and which, which involves creativity and not from the top down, like from the leaders always coming, giving you ideas, but from the bottom up, people that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, they've given their life to Jesus Christ, they've been baptised in water, their sins have been washed away, a new life has been formed within them and they're overcoming and enjoying their new life. It's beautiful. And they say, we could do this, we could do that. And they've always got their eye on the friends who don't know Jesus or the family who don't know Jesus. Um, vibe and atmosphere. You'll know it's an healthy church because there's a good vibe and a good atmosphere. Conversations are, are positive and faith-filled. And, um, you know, as, as a church leader, you can imagine I've been involved in lots of tragic situations. Um, you know, you name it, uh, we've usually been there at, at, at the cutting edge of it. It's awful, but somebody has to do it and somebody has to be there. And that's, that, that, you know, but how do you talk about it? You can either say, well, it's the hardest, it's really tough, it's uh, unbelievable, my life is so hard. Or you can just say, it's the toughest job in the world, but you know what, I'm called to this. I was born for this. The same anointing that attracts the enemy, the devil, to come and tempt me and test me and try me and dissuade me and take me off, off course, detours and delays. That same anointing that helps me to overcome, uh, that attracts him to come and attack me, that same empowering of the Holy Spirit, 
enables me to overcome all the wiles or all the tricks of the devil. So let's not, let's not be scared of life. Let's bring a good vibe, great atmosphere, good conversation, positive conversations, a positive report, a genuine spirituality where you hear stuff that, um, you know, it moves, it does the 18 inch drop to the heart. And so it strengthens your convictions about life, morality, family, uh, commitment, uh, your word, uh, uh, you, you know, it's strengthened, but it doesn't stay there so that we've got a lovely life. No, 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 we share it then with others. And we don't just share it in word, we share it in deed. And we don't just share it in word and deed, we share it in signs and wonders and miracles following what we say and do. It's beautiful. I can't say enough about it. You know, I, my back goes so often, I have, I have properties and I think they've ruined me. I'm hoping that they will make me eventually. <laughs> But, but here's the thing, I go to a chiropractor and I, I pray as well, I, I, whatever, whatever will bring healing. Uh, if it's not illegal, if it's not against God's word and it's not dangerous, then th there I am. But, but you know, in prayer, um, you know, cancer has been attacking uh, uh, my prostate. And so I've just been given uh, the kind of all clear. I, I can't tell you positively from them because the, 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 uh, the guy, the consultant couldn't tell me definitely he just said you're due for another biopsy your second biopsy and he says but you know your scanner show that the the tumor is gone there's nothing to, to biopsy so we'll just keep you know watching you you know we'll, we'll keep our eye on it i'm thinking that that's fine in other words i think i've been healed you know the bible says by his stripes i have been healed and that's what i've been confessing out and i've been taking bread and wine for healing and i'll do some teaching about this um, if you can't wait for the teaching, Joseph Prince, <laughs> get, get the book. But he's been awesome with this. And he's seen lots and lots of miracles all over the world. And uh, I've been listening to him. I even pray with him when he prays on television. And, uh, and I've been healed. And I'm thrilled to bits. And I've got a positive confession. But it's genuine spirituality. You know, we don't fake it. But what we, what, what, what we do do is we speak God's word out the way that he told us. You know, we send the word of healing uh, into people's lives and people send it into ours. It's beautiful. I said last week about uh, leaders having a healthy soul. Every church has a healthy soul. Every healthy church, that is. And, um, and what I would say is it's not just leaders, but, but mature people, healthy people. They've dealt with negative issues or negative attitude. They've dealt with past hurts where they've been, they've failed in relationships maybe are uh, been hurt in relationship. I mean, seriously hurt. And, uh, you know, as a teenager, I used to put myself around town thinking I was Jack the lad, I was drunk, I was partying with the girls. Um, and, and it hurts. I have to say that it hurts. I hurt them in being unfaithful, but when they're unfaithful to me, it hurt me. But some of you, you've gone even further, you've been married and people have just walked out the door. And that hurts. And I know nothing of that, but that hurts. And you know, we bring these things to Jesus Christ in the context of church. Why do we meet as church? Because as we come under God's word and we worship God, the miraculous is, is released. He brings healing to broken hearts. He, he takes lifts burdens off. He releases us from, from thoughts and, and things that hold us back and hurt us every time we're reminded of them from the past. He cancels our past. 
There's an old hymn that says, he breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the captive free. And, uh, you know, many Christians have, have, have experienced forgiveness, but they keep living in the power of cancelled sin. And every time they think about it, it brings the guilt and the shame back. And that's where baptism comes in, because baptism is not, it's a washing away of your sin, but it's more than that. It's giving you a clean conscience and a fresh start. I love it. Baptism is fantastic. We don't come in the sea. We don't come in rivers. We don't come in baths. But here's the thing. When you've been baptized, you're clean from your past, set free. You're clean, set free, but empty. And that's why we need to be filled then, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Spirit just happening as an introduction into the life of the Spirit. And then consequently being filled with the Spirit every day. Wow, I'm going into Christianity 101 here, but it's beautiful. I never get too far away from the basics because I love them. They set me free. Or should I say Jesus used the basics to set me free. And uh, it's fantastic. So a healthy soul, dealing with addictions, dealing with mind monsters, finding freedom. You only have to be set free once or twice and you find out this is how I get, this is how it happens. This is how I can, I can be set free. So we, we, you know, we can, we can keep going until we're, we're free and we're healthy. We have a healthy soul. And so that's what I was talking about really last week. And this week I want to, uh, I want to touch on four things that were really, uh, my assumptions that were already in a healthy church. Imagine, don't tell anyone, but I did 10 signs of a healthy church last week and not one of them was about bible the bible reading the bible feeding on the bible or worship or sharing the mission of the church in evangelism and social care but also uh, building community church planting and uh, you know I'm just looking a little at the the, the 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 sort of difference between just being a church planter and being a church builder and uh, they require different gifts but you know, in the past, I've just lumped everything under mission. But the more you get into it, you see the nuances coming. And you, you see the, the different shades of meaning of uh, starting a new church, planting a new church. And, you know, do you plant it and move on? Or do you plant and stay and build? Or do you, do you, do you move on but keep, keep in touch? And because you want to keep speaking in, in order to keep building, because you're a builder. I think I'm that. Um, so, anyway... Let's, let me have a look at these four things. Uh, I'm going to take probably another 20 minutes of your time. Uh, uh, you know, if you're in a group, get somebody to put kettle on. Say, this is going to be good. Uh, get yourself a coffee and let's, uh, let's dig in. So, here we go. This is what I assumed. Because to have a healthy church, you've got to have these as basics. We have it in our foundation. You know, we, have, we are Christ-centered, Bible-based, mission-focused, spirit-filled and that's four of our 12 values christ-centered bible-based mission-focused spirit-led spirit-filled not just going with the commitment of our hearts but with the commitment of our hearts filled with the holy spirit it gets further as, as a deeper and more powerful effect so acts chapter 2 verse 42 he says they who are they the early church, the first church that ever got started on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people became Christians in one day. I want to see that. In fact, I have seen that. 
in the, in the early 80s when I was at Bible College, Cliff Bible College, a Methodist Bible College. We were at Sheffield with Billy Graham, Dr. Billy Graham, and uh, the American preacher. Many of my church have never even heard of him. But, you know, we worked with this team and it was awesome. We were counselling people and uh, we were barely converting ourselves. And we heard Billy Graham, he's been my hero forever. And it's like, and the Bible says, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. And we used to love Billy Graham. And uh, every night we registered at Pentecost. Either two and a half thousand, three thousand people came forward to give their lives to Christ. And Billy Graham always underplayed the numbers. He never inflated them. He always, if it was three thousand, he'd say two thousand five hundred. What an amazing fella. But you know what? The Bible says they devoted themselves. In other words, they were self-starters. You know you're healthy when you don't have to keep being reminded and told and rung up and called. You just get on with it. And they did. They devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. In other words, they had to recognise leadership. Wow. And you know, in those days, it was like in these days. Nobody wants anybody to tell them what to do. Nobody. Whether you're Greek, Jew or free, doesn't matter. Whether you live then or live now. You don't want nobody to tell you what to do. We're all like an island. But you know what? We're not called to that. We're called to a community. And, uh, and there's got to be leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership, as the great leadership guru John Maxwell says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship building church. Or building church community. Yeah, the fellowship. To the breaking of bread. The, remind, the remembering of what Christ has done for them, because we forget. To remember that Christ is with us. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. If you've little hope in your heart, maybe you've not just you've not connected with Jesus in a while. What happens to your phone when you don't plug it in? The battery dies and you've got to get it revived. You know, it says in the Bible that they were filled. They went on being filled with the, the Holy Spirit every day, connecting with God. If you've got little hope, you've had little connection. And you need to reconnect with Jesus. Gosh, I'm preaching good today. And uh, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And it's like, <laughs> prayer's always been this, this thing in church that I've never really got my head around. You know, sometimes you've got people that pray and they're so eloquent. And Father, we just, you know, in your mighty name, we, we just come and do this, that, and the other. You're like, and they quote 300 scriptures and you're like, that is amazing. And then I, 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 I get stuck on what to pray for. Once I've prayed for my car and my bike, <laughs> and my back and my house and my new house and uh, my kids, you're like, mm, don't know what else to pray. There's a lot to learn about prayer, yeah? Um, but here's the thing, prayer, can we just simplify it? Like I was saying last week, a healthy church takes the complex things and make them simple. Prayer is simply talking to God. Or should I say talking to Jesus? And Jesus said, ask in my name. Ask anything in my name. And he didn't mean anything. He meant anything according to his will. Anything that, you know, if you were signing a check, would Jesus put his name to that check? And, uh, and if he would, then you pray that prayer. You know, prayers for healing. Prayers for deliverance. Prayers for a better job. Prayers for a better home somewhere. Jesus said, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, you're God's children. You're my brothers and sisters. And so 
they devoted themselves to prayer. But you know, it says that miracles happen. It says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together. You know, we've got to drag people sometimes to a meeting, but their meetings, God turned up. You know, I love going to Africa because in Africa, they meet every day when we go out there. And every night and you've got babies falling asleep on the bosom of the mother. Or, or they have them laid out on, on, uh, on wraps. You know, they, they, take, they take these wraps from around the waist and then they, they line up all kids and kids are, are off to sleep and the preachers and putting them to sleep. Um, but it's, 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 it's brilliant. But they meet every day and they have all things in common. And, you know, because... The communities, uh, in, in you know where we go in, in Tanzania, Dar es Salaam, and Mwanza, you, you know the communities come together and they have food together. It's normal, and it, you know they don't turn around and say, "Oh, you didn't book." Um, I don't know. They just say, "Come on in, come on in," and they find rice and chicken or rice and fish from somewhere. You know you will go on fed, and uh, it, it's it's and I love that. I absolutely love it. I love it in global. You know, people are building shacks in the back garden so that people can come around and have food and drinks and, and uh, you know, hospitality is, is in vogue in global. We're known as the party church. And, uh, you know, we, we, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we crave being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have one or two cheeky beers, but, you know, we're, we're learning that there's, you know, don't get drunk with beer but rather be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But isn't it interesting? The Apostle Paul likened being filled with the Holy Spirit to drunkenness. Why would he use that illustration there? It's because when you're drunk, you're free of inhibitions. When you're drunk, you'll hug a lamppost. You're so full of love. <laughs> when you're drunk, you know, if people come around with your charity box, yeah, have it. Have it. When you're drunk, you buy everybody drinks. You're generous. When you're drunk, when you and Paul said, don't get drunk because you'll feel rough the day after. But rather be filled with the Holy Spirit and be generous and be bold. When you're drunk, you're bold. You take on the top, tallest guy. Yeah, I will knock you out. And you know something, you're scared of nothing when you're drunk. And Paul says, but when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're in control. And you've got a boldness where you're not scared. Or if you are, that boldness overcomes it and you just break through. And that you're generous and you're loving, and you've got, you've got qualities that are beyond uh, human gifting. Things like, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Imagine a community or a town or a city filled with that. See, that's my belief. That's what I live for, is to see whole cities, whole nations come to Christ he is our only hope. He's, he has got the answer. He's got the answer to abortion. He's got the answer to AIDS. He's got the answer to, 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 to gender issues. He's got the answer to mind monsters. He's got the answer to absolutely everything. And you know, if I can make the complex simple, it's this. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Give your life to Jesus. Oh, it's not that easy. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you don't know what you'll be like the other side of giving your life to Jesus Christ. This side of me giving my life to Jesus, I thought he wanted me to be a monk. And I'm thinking, 
I could never live without sex. I don't think if that's what God wants of me. That was the black and white picture that I had before. It was, it was negative. It was awful. And then the other side of giving me life to Jesus was he freed me from a wrong idea and a wrong practice when it came to sex and girls. And he taught me restraint and he taught me kindness and gentleness and thinking about them and not just about me. It's absolutely awesome. Jesus Christ is our only hope. Jesus Christ is the answer to this world's troubles, but more than that, to this world's hopes and dreams. Jesus Christ is the answer. This is so good. I love it. I live this. I enjoy this because it's true. I see so many people's lives transformed by Jesus. So these guys, the early church, devoted themselves to the word of God through the apostles. Let me just give you what the Bible says about the Bible. Because this is really fascinating to me. 2 Timothy 3, 16. I'll start at 15. And Paul is writing to an early church leader, a new church planter called Timothy. And he's a young lad that was brought up knowing the Bible, well, the Old Testament, through his grandma and his mother. And, uh, and Paul says, you've known from infancy uh, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Then he says this, Verse 16, all scripture, not some, but all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in right living so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love this language. It's awesome. Imagine saying to your friend, come on, are you coming to church? I'm just going to go and get rebuked. Oh, I can't wait to get rebuked. <laughs> can't wait to be corrected from God's word. It's so alien to us. But you know, when you understand your sinful nature, when you understand that your mind has been affected by sin, that your, your emotions have been damaged by sin. And, uh, and, and so we are warped. And, uh, you know, I think there's a word for sin, uh, you know, iniquity. It's like, it's like we are warped. There's things that are just not right. We see it in people's behavior. Even our family and friends, we think, what are you doing, you freak? So, so when you understand, and it comes through, you know, the doctrine of, of, of man, of sin, and then God's amazing grace. Um, and when, when, when God's amazing, amazing grace is, is, is God's love that comes to us, transforms us. And it's really, grace really is a person. It's Jesus. And he transforms us. And, you know, instinctively, things jump into place when you give your life to Jesus. If you've ever done the... The experiment with uh, um, with uh, iron filings on a piece of paper. I remember this happening at school. And uh, and then underneath you had to put a magnet. And as you put the magnet underneath the iron filings, they all came together in a pattern automatically. And when you give your life to Jesus, all of a sudden, right on the inside of it, it goes, everything jumps into to line and you start to become the real person that God intended you to be. And you've been AWOL for however long you've not known Jesus, absent without leave. And all of a sudden, the real you, it says about the prodigal son who went into wild living and everything, spent his inheritance on wine, women and singing, but not much singing. And it says when he came to his senses, in other words, everything jumped together on the inside. It's like, what am I doing? 
Maybe that's you today. God, the Holy Spirit's asking, getting you to ask yourself a question. What are you doing? And you give your life to Jesus and things jump into place on the inside and then God's word confirms it. You see, our, we receive God's word. There is something in, in, instinctively on the inside of, of mankind that when they hear God's word, think that's right. And of course, we rebel against God's word. You know, I've known what it's been like to know right from wrong. I was brought up well by my parents. But although I knew what was right to do, I desired to do other things. And, you know, when you've given yourself like that, you've got to learn. You spent years rebelling against your conscience, rebelling against any laws. Well, it doesn't just, you, you know, things jump into place overnight. But, you know, the behaviour takes a while to follow. And I couldn't stop giving, you know, I couldn't give up drinking. I couldn't, I couldn't give up sleeping around just overnight like that. There was a process came off the back of it. And God was very gentle with me, very kind. And, you know, I, 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 you know, I was so guilty and so ashamed of myself. But then eventually I found freedom in Christ. And I don't, don't despise process. There are miracles that are immediate, but don't despise process. And give yourself time. And... Uh, but I'm going to talk a little bit about this at some stage. But, um, you know, there's, a, there's a, um, passages in the Bible that we call one anothering. All the scriptures on, you know, love one another, be devoted to one another, honour one another above yourself, live in harmony with one another. Well, we have to learn these things. And, and that's where we come in as global because we, we help people to... To, we help families to grow together. We help communities to grow together. And they're not just any communities. They're faith communities in Jesus Christ. He's our King. He's our Lord and Master. And we love him unashamedly. The Bible says, accept one another. You know, we come to church and it's not like we used to hang out before. And we're meeting people that we would never hang out with. God's word to us is accept one another. Wow, there's a correction from God's word right there. He says, speak the truth in love. Sometimes we're good at speaking the truth, but not in love. He says, accept one. Oh, I've done that one. He says, care for one another, serve one another. Here's one. Bear one another's burdens. Um, look to the interests of one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Stir up or provoke uh, one another to love and good works. There's just loads of things. I love it. Because as these things become real, then our lives, our families and our communities are transformed. I've just given you the secrets of how to transform your community. But you know, to do that, to live like that, we need the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And he brings the reality of Jesus. And uh, I think I've run out of time. I'd love to go on, um, you know, with building communities, how, how, how do you get communities? By connecting with people. And, you know, I love natural connections like, you know, um, the European Cup. That's a natural place for us as men to be in the bars watching the football with all the guys. That's natural. So we should utilise that and, 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 you know, connect with them. Don't try and convert people. Our job is to connect with them. You know, when people have made a connection with us and they keep connecting with us, that's where trust is built. And when trust is built, they get you. They get what you're about. They're able to ask you questions. There's time that goes on. They watch and test you over a period of time. 
You know, the Bible says that you're, you're uh, the first letter that people will read. You're the only Bible sometimes that people will ever read. It says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And so, uh, you, you know, let's be with them. And don't try and convert them. Let them see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, you know, personal evangelism uh, is, is sharing your faith with people naturally. When they ask you, usually, like, what is it with you? What do you do with your spare time? You seem a little a little different from, from the rest. What? In a good way, I don't mean in a freaky way, weird way. It's just like, you know, there's just something about you. I can't put my finger on it. And you say, well, I'm a person of faith. I, I, you know, I, I follow Jesus or I'm a Christian. It's going, ah, that explains it. Tell me. And we have conversations. I have them all the time. Uh, you know, there's a young lad that I've known for a while and he rededicated his life at a coffee shop, uh, you know, just the other day, uh, you know, with me. And it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, God is working in people's lives, but they've got to trust you first. And you can't abuse that trust and just go and blab and preach and all that kind of stuff. Live your life. Let them see your lifestyle. Let them be convinced by your lifestyle. People rate Jesus by your example. I'm just saying, if they don't like you, they're not going to like him. So we have to change. And people read your life before they read a Bible. I've just touched on that. And, you know, as we reach into people's lives, let's just be aware it's a privilege to speak into people's lives when they invite us to. But connections lead to conversion. Connection. Let's go and connect. Because somebody connected with me when I was 19. And they came into my drinking den at 19. And by the time I was 19 and a half, six months later, I'd give my life to, to Jesus. And, and my life, and not just my life, but the life of my wife and my three sons and now my grandchildren are going in a totally different direction than they would have been if it wasn't for Jesus. I am sold out on Jesus. There is nobody greater, nobody. You'll never meet a wiser or greater leader. You'll never meet anybody more powerful than Jesus Christ. He's awesome. He is everything you need. And it's everything that you're going to need if you're going to be forgiven and find this eternal life. Every week we give people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus. I'm going to invite you to just bow your head wherever you are. Humble yourself before Jesus, maybe for the first time in your life. And say, God, if you're there, change me. Let me know that you're there. Forgive me my sins. If that's you, you can repeat this prayer in your heart. Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, paying the price that I couldn't afford. I receive your forgiveness and I give my life to you as best I know how. And I open the door of my heart to you and I say, give me your Holy Spirit and give me power to change and power to follow you. Amen. If you said that prayer, then you get in touch let us know, we'll send you some literature and get involved. Listen, press the subscribe button on YouTube and that bell thing. And let's get our friends and family, get them involved. I'll tell you why. Because people can watch YouTube without anybody knowing. And they can have a look at what our church is like. They can have a look at what we're about. Because not we're not for everybody, but we are for somebody. And there's different types of churches. And I'm glad about that because we have different types of personalities. And so we welcome you every week and get in touch, and maybe you're from a church from a, a, another area, uh, not a church, I should say, maybe you stopped going to church, 
or maybe you're not being used at all. And I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about flaky people, but I'm talking about people that are saying, I think I've lost my way. But when I hear you, this is what I think I should be giving my life back to Christ and getting on with it. And I say amen to that. But here's the other thing. If you are going to another church and you're just peeping in at mine, go and serve your leader as well. Devote yourself to the teaching of your church. Come under their authority. That's not a heavy word. That's a releasing word. And, and, and live. A man of authority is a man under authority. And Jesus understood that principle. And come in and give yourself wholly to the work of God. And have a great life. Don't just, well, I've, just, I've, I've sacrificed everything in this life. No, have a great life. You can have it all. You can have it all. I believe that. Jesus said, I've come. That you might have life in all its fullness. So anyway, see you later. Otherwise, I'll start another talk. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 